Well, you could argue if the US wants to get inflation down to 2% that they are already there. Why? Well, we'll tell you about some of the surprising revisions in the latest quarterly US GDP data, which adds to the case for rate cuts. There was also a downward revision to the Philly Fed manufacturing data as well. Less investment, another argument to cut rates. And in other news, could Joe Biden be about to hike tariffs on Chinese electric vehicle imports? And what impact would that have on the Chinese economy and therefore the Aussie economy? It might be the last trading day before Christmas, but it's not exactly all quiet on the Western Front, is it? It's Friday, the 22nd of December, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US equities are up quite a bit today. In Europe, they are down. So a 1.3% lift in the NASDAQ at close, 1% for the S&P, 0.9% for the Dow. All of them trading now close to their 52-week high, as they were a couple of days ago. Uh, Also a very strong day for the Russell 2000, up 1.7%. All of these coming after the losses from yesterday, although not actually managing to regain the territory. In Europe, the FTSE 100 and the DAX both down 0.3%, although that's after a couple of days of gains in Europe. More than half percent fall in the US dollar today. It's down below 102 on the DXY index, almost the lowest since August. The Aussie is up 1.1% to 68 US cents, just four cents off its 52-week high. Will it hit 70 soon? Well, we'll talk about that with uh, Ray Atchell. We've got him on the podcast today. The pound is up 0.4%. The euro is up 0.6%. UK Treasury yields pushed up a little, up four basis points for 10 years to 3.89%. Yields for 10 years down one basis point across much of Europe, flat in the UK. Aussie 10 years were down three basis points yesterday to 4.01%. Now on futures uh, up to about 4.05%. And oil is lower, uh, although it started to climb back from earlier losses. It's just 0.3% down now for WTI and Brent. Brent around 79.40 a barrel. So it is our last daily of the year and it is Ray Actual who joins me. And, uh, you know, we... We've got some surprising news. You might have thought, well, US GDP, but it's the final read. It's the third revision. Uh, is it going to move much? Well, it did, didn't it? It certainly did. Yeah. Good morning, Phil. And, um, and well, two things to note there, really. One, that uh, growth itself in the third quarter um, was revised down from 5.2% at an annualised rate, back down to 49 which is actually equivalent to the first estimate that we had a couple of months ago, um, was expected mm. to stick at that 52 But even more eye-catching for, for my money was the um, that core PCE deflator. Remember, that's the, the inflation indicator that the Fed is effectively targeting. Um, revised down from 2.3% and the prior estimate a month ago to 2.0%, so effectively saying, mm. well, the last three months at an annualised rate, um, the Fed's inflation target has been met. And then uh, right. think about Jay Powell saying, we're going to be cutting rates before we get down to 2% now. There's a little way to go, I think, and we can talk about the numbers mm. we'll get tonight. Well, they, they, I mean, no time like the present. Let's, let's talk about it now, because the number we just saw uh, is the annual number. The number that we get tonight is the monthly number for November. So a little bit more current. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so remember, yes, yeah, so this is so that 2% we're mentioning, that's effectively the, 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 the August, September, or, sorry, the July, August, September um, numbers at an annualized rate at 2%. When we look at the numbers we'll get tonight, 
That's the November monthly prints. Now, if you go back a couple of weeks, remember the core CPI number came in at 0.3, which was a little disappointing to some, um, you know, no downward progress. <clears throat> but there is a bit of a, a quirk in the way that the PCE deflators are calculated. They use a lot of the inputs from the producer price numbers, particularly when it comes to some of those core services numbers. And remember, core services X housing or X shelter is constantly referenced by the Fed. Um, and they were they were more benign than was the case in the CPI. So that suggests that the PCE deflator should be lower in monthly terms than the CPI. The consensus is 0.2. Um, you have to say after those quarterly revisions, the risk might be skewed towards 0.1. And if we were to get a 0.1, um, Gavin was doing the maths earlier, I think that would mean that in the last six months, core PCE will have annualized 2.1%. So, you know, wow. So um, they're there. I mean, they're basically there, aren't they? If that is the case. I mean, they're not far off it. Absolutely. At, uh, at the same time, I think the Fed is right. So on that but on that basis, you can argue that rates should be cut already. And uh, I think we referenced yeah. some work that uh, Taylor and Tempest had done a few months about using the so-called Taylor rules that could actually justify the Fed being as much as 100 basis points lower right now. Not that we expect no. that that is going to play out. But, um, you know, at the same time, the concern that we, we know that the Fed would have is if and the reason they're not giving any sucker to market expectations of rate cuts as early as March next year um, is that the, you know, the the market's off to the races already easing financial conditions. And if they were to ease further, that would raise concerns that that, that in itself is going to reignite upward pressure on inflation, you know, in the first yeah. half of next year. So I think that, you know, the Fed's messaging is appropriate in that sense. But if we, you know, if these numbers print as they might tonight, and then the first few months of next year are still suggesting that, that core PCE is running pretty close to 2%, um, then I think there's a, there's a fair chance that, that market expectations are going to be validated. No, mortgages are still at 6.7%, mind you, but they're, they're down from, that was numbers out overnight. But I mean, they've come down a fair bit as well for the 30 year rate. It was at 7.8% in, in October. So everyone's thinking in that direction, aren't they? So so those numbers, uh, okay, are, uh, a weakness, a, a fall in, uh, in in inflation and also a weakness in, in the numbers generally. And we saw that as well in the, and, and no one that we saw Treasury yields falling a little bit on, on all of this news. And then the Philly Fed Manufacturing Index as well, from minus 5.9 to minus 10.5. It was expected to be minus 3, but actually it's going down further. So quite a bit worse than expected. So we are seeing a lot of softening in the economy. Well, in the manufacturing sector, for sure, not necessarily yeah, yeah. in services. So, um, you know, obviously the message from the, you know, the ISM manufacturing uh, survey does suggest that the manufacturing uh, sector is effectively in recession, uh, and we are yeah. seeing. And, and typically, um, you know, the best lead indicator of uh, of U.S. manufacturing is actually China manufacturing, and their PMIs have also been, uh, you know, pretty feeble, haven't they, of late? So, mm. you know, I think that's the story that continues into the early part of, of next year. But um, you know, on the broader sense, it's, it's you know, the last look, last look I had. If you look at something like the GDP nowcast from the Atlanta Fed for the fourth quarter, that obviously hasn't yet ended um it looked like growth was running you know north of two and a half percent for example so it's 
set. I think it's too early to, to call time on the notion of, of US economic exceptionalism, but certainly that uh, collectively that data flow, it does suggest that the economy is, is you know, is materially weakening from, from Q3. Against that, look at the weekly jobless claims, 205K from 203K, expected to be 215. Uh, there are, um, from what I'm reading, there are some real seasonal uh, adjustment issues between Thanksgiving and right through early January. And there's good reason to think that, you know, we might get a couple of weeks of numbers closer to 250. So take these numbers with a pinch of salt. But, you know, going back to the Fed argument, you know, I think they're clearly going to need uh, firmer evidence of softening in the labor market before they'll be uh, confident that they can uh, declare victory on the uh, inflation battle. So is is this fall in the Philly Fed, and I know it's only one region and it's only one survey, but I mean, there's some fairly big moves. So I'm wondering, is it a supply-driven fall or is it a demand-driven fall or is it a bit of both? So demand, if we look at new orders, that's gone from a positive index of 1.3 down to minus 25.6, which is a massive fall, the worst since March. But then if you also look at CapEx investment, I mean, that is well down as well. So if CapEx investment is well down, you'd be saying, well, why is that happening? Well, you know, maybe, just maybe, because interest rates are too high. So maybe that's another indication the Fed needs to do something about it because they need to stop this slide. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, the, the broad truth is that, um, you know, manufacturing sector strength requires capex strength and capex strength isn't happening and i think you're right that you know higher rates are, are part of the reason there in terms of you know it's the cost of capital against the return of capital and if the cost of capital is going up and the expected return isn't then lo and behold you know capex goes down effectively um now obviously with rates now coming down and you know particularly you know, the rates at which corporates would be borrowing or which they're raising equity given how much equity prices have risen effectively um that's actually a, a pretty good omen as far as uh, you know the prospects for capex and if we do see um, you know, the economy softening. The, the risk, I think, is that the consumer does look to be wilting. Incidentally, the, the, the main source of the downward revision for those Q3 numbers actually was, was um, personal consumption. It was 4% in the original estimate, 3.1% in the final estimate. But, um, you know, maybe the outlook for CapEx does improve uh, somewhat. Um, there's also lots of distortions to do with the chips and the Inflation Reduction Act and the incentives that that provided, which was showing up in a big surge in, in what's called structures or buildings, effectively relating to uh, to manufacturing. So there have been a lot of distortions there. But um, so I'm not sure I've answered your question. But uh, the bottom line is, we will need more capex to come through if we're going to see the yeah. manufacturing sector getting out of recession. Next well, year. yeah, and maybe uh, Joe Biden is trying to do something about that as far as electric vehicles are concerned. Before we quickly get onto that, I mean, the fact that we've seen this this weakness in the data that has uh, hit the US dollar, which has helped the Aussie dollar up today so I, I said in the introduction you know are we going to get over 70 cents during the break i mean uh, we might have said that was possible but maybe not now because joe biden is talking about lifting tariffs on china's electric vehicles the wall street journal is reporting on that today uh, and presumably that could hurt australia absolutely would so uh, yes the story so the story care of the wall street journal is that they're contemplating um increasing a tariff on electric vehicles even though the existing 25 percent tariff means that uh china doesn't actually sell electric vehicles into uh, into the us but uh the suggestion is that things like ev batteries and other sort of parts of the supply chain uh where the us is currently allowed to to trade with china could be the subject and you know i, I see it in the context of you know the 
Trump era tax uh, tariff increases, which were politically very popular. Um, Donald Trump does have an explicit platform of a universal uh, um Import tariffs, basically across the board, that could be scaled up for, for countries seem to be, um, you know, providing subsidies or not trading fairly. So I wonder whether it's the Biden administration sort of trying to get a bit of retaliation in first on the basis that, um, you know, anti-China sentiment seems to play well politically and, and you know, trying to preempt potentially what, um, you know, we'll be hearing from the Democrat, from the Republican side as we go forward next year. But as far as what it means for the Aussie, that the takeaway is if we do see a step up in the tariff war, the response from China back in 2018 was to allow its currency to weaken and the Aussie dollar suffered as a result of that, given the strong relationship between the Chinese yuan and the Aussie dollar. So it's one to watch. It's actually, I, I'm listing it as a downside risk to our view that Aussie will be back above 70 as early as the first half of next year. And while we're on the Aussie, just incidentally, I was just reminding myself, start of the year, Aussie dollar 68.13. As of last night, 67.97 the high. So at the moment, we're closing <laughs> in on the, a yearly change that's less than 0.02%, which is uh, right. quite remarkable. But uh, quite a bit of volatility in between those two numbers. Yes, of 60, what we have, 71.58, I think was the high early in the year, and 62.70, the low. But that sort of roughly nine cent range is actually quite low relative to history. So I think we'll actually mark 2023 down as a relatively low volatility year for the currency. On certain occasions, it certainly didn't feel like no, that. No, absolutely. So 70 is still a little way away, even though we are so close to it right now. But anyway, we'll see. So look, we had uh, otherwise, uh, we had Canada's retail sales overnight. They're looking okay. 0.7% growth in October, which is a bit below expectations. But hey, that was October. I mean, that is so out of date now. They need to count faster if it's going to be useful, don't they? Uh, and uh, what have we got today? Uh, we've got Japan's CPI, talking about inflation, the November PC deflator that we've talked about. Um, and uh, what else? We've got the final read on Q3 GDP for the UK. And that's going to be zero, presumably. I mean, who knows? I mean, this is the final. It's another final read. Maybe it's going to be a surprise. Maybe it's going to be negative, and then we'll be, you know, the mm. UK recession talk will, will go away. And again, that's one of been the, you know, one of the features of, of uh, 2023, hasn't it? That these sort of the Cassandra saying recession is here, recession is imminent, hasn't quite been borne out by the data. Um, you know, and it's one of the reasons that sterling has actually turned out to be, after the Swiss franc, surprisingly, the second best performing G10 currency year. But to if date. we see a, a weaker GDP, that's going to change, presumably. Well, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you talk to uh, at length with Gavin about the CPI numbers and uh, you know mm. there's the, 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 such a big surprise there that we're very much and, and thinking about what Isabel Schnabel from the ECB was saying a few weeks ago you know they're very much in the the facts are changing we're going to have to change our mind as far as what it means for, for rates we still think maybe the market's a bit ahead of itself on the Bank of England but but who knows if these inflation numbers continue to melt away then um you know, the risk is that the market expectations do end up being validated. So, yeah, I mean, we've been a lot of surprises, hasn't there, in a, in a good way in this final month of the year. Look, today we also get credit data for Australia. We get US durable goods orders. We get new home sales in the US, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey, including inflation expectations. I mean, I guess that could be hopelessly out of date, couldn't it, given given the numbers we've just seen today? No, absolutely. I think of those numbers, I'd cast an eye over that inflation expectations reading. Uh, there is an expectation, actually, mm. that the, the five to ten year – 
number will will tick up by a tenth. Remember, it fell from above three to two point eight in the preliminary. But uh, no, I think on uh, on this last sort of day of trading before Christmas, I don't think uh, any of those numbers are going to trouble the scorers. They'll be interested in whether is the S and P going to make a, a new all time high between now and the end of the year. It's got a little way to go. But um, again, just glancing at equity markets as a final point, Nasdaq forty two percent best performing global stock market this year, um, helped, I'd say, by you know at least mild um, tailwinds from a weaker dollar. And just looking across stock markets generally, the stocks that have, uh, or the currencies that have risen the most tended to see their stock markets underperform. So Switzerland's an underperformer with the strongest currency. The FTSE's a bit of an underperformer with a stronger currency. And, uh, and the Nikkei's done really well, you know, thanks to the yen being the weakest currency in the world. So... So which is driving which? Is the stock market driving the currency or well, is the currency the, driving the stock they, market? They do this. When the currency weakens, it's great for the exporters in Japan So the stock market goes up, doesn't it? And uh, mm. it can be, uh, it can sort of work two ways. But generally, I think it's from the from the currency to the stock market in terms of what it means for exporter earnings. So, mm. so my parting yeah. message there is to say that if you're thinking about stock markets and which countries you think you want to be, uh, you want to be most invested in, don't forget the currency element. It can be the decisive uh, differentiator between relative performance of some of these uh, international stock markets. There we are. Some wise words from Ray Actual to finish the year off. That'll go down well over Christmas dinner. Don't be surprised if no one's paying too much attention to you, but uh, at least you will have said it. Look, it's uh, been an interesting year, hasn't it? We are back on the 10th of January. Before that, uh, we've got Sally giving her rundown on on the year that's been and the year ahead as well on the, uh, the weekend edition, which is out this afternoon. Great talking to you, Ray. I think you are the first one back on the 10th of January as well, so we'll talk to you then. I think I probably will. I look forward to it, and uh, Merry Christmas to all of our our, uh, our listeners it's been great running his podcast and uh, look forward to uh, same again next year yeah thanks, likewise thanks Ray and that's it for me for just now I am back this afternoon I'm Phil Dobby from NAB thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>